Hello, everyone, on this Wednesday in June. It is 1.03 p.m., and you are listening to In the Huddle Sports Radio on Can You Dig It Sports. I am your co-host, Zach Crow, along with my guy, The Real Will, and we have a crazy, epic, epic show to talk about with you guys today. So many things to talk about in the NBA, uh, and we are really going to be focused around the sport of basketball for today's show. And before we start off, I want to introduce... Not only my co-host, but our guest today, I'll throw it over to my guy, The Real Lil. Yo, bro, I'm telling myself to hold that big, fat smile that I want to present right now because I am so excited to be here on this damn show today because last night, boy, oh boy, when I tell you, bro, ain't nothing like sitting back and watching a good game, all right? Ain't nothing like sitting back and watching a good game, a playoff game, a Western Conference Finals game. It was nothing like it, bro. I, it was a couple times I had to go to the bathroom and run some errands. But guess what, bro? When you're watching a good game, make it wait. And it sure waited to the end of that game. I'm excited. Can you dig sports radio? Let's go. Yeah, so before we start off today's show, I will actually introduce our guest. He is joining us for the second time in the last couple of weeks. He's a great NBA mind that both Lil and I, yes. as big basketball fans, we really respect his opinion. And we thought that over the last couple of episodes, we've been debating so much about the NBA. We thought it would be good to bring in a third mind to really talk to us about some reasoning, give us another opinion. It's always good to have our guy Isaiah on. How are we doing, bro? How are we doing? Thank you for having me. Uh, love the show. I'm glad to be a part of it. Absolutely. Yeah, so absolutely. Uh, Will mentioned it. The Phoenix Suns, they defeated the Los Angeles Clippers by a final score of 104 to 103 on a crazy alley-oop to DeAndre Ayton for the win. And it's funny, Isaiah, because this is now the third series in a row that the Clippers are down 0-2. They've uh, won the first two, and they deserve a lot of credit for that. But is it reasonable to think that they still have a shot to win this series against the Phoenix Suns? That is actually going to be the question on the table. And I'm actually going to start this off. I think the Clippers deserve a lot of respect. What they're doing without Kawhi Leonard, like the fact that they're here to begin with is really impressive. Like they deserve a lot of credit. Last year, the Clippers were up 3-1 to the Nuggets. We know what happened and everyone flamed them and rightfully so. That was a pathetic, pathetic showing. But I will say, in these playoffs, like at least they're showing me some heart. I was a big believer in the Utah Jazz. The Clippers put Rudy Gobert in a blender and just exposed him. They deserve a lot of credit for that. They have young players like Terrence Mann that are just improving and getting better. So they deserve credit. But with that being said, I think that as well as Paul George played last night, and even though he missed the last two free throws down the stretch, overall he played a really good game. And the Clippers still couldn't win without Chris Paul in the Suns lineup. And I think that the Suns are too good of a team to let the Clippers back in a series like the Jazz did, like the Dallas Mavericks did. I believe in Phoenix. And with Chris Paul coming back healthy, I only think they're going to get stronger. So I just think the Clippers are going to run out of gas. I don't see them winning more than one game in this series. I think last night, they really had a big opportunity to steal that game. And unfortunately, they just couldn't get it done. And I think that's going to come back to cost them. I really did. Yeah. Um, I was, before I throw this over to Isaiah, I'm going to get this joint started right now, bro. First of all, <laughs> the question at hand, do the Clippers have a legit shot to come back in this series? I do, but I'm still going to go with the Suns in seven. You know, I give that much respect to the Clippers and what they've been doing and how they've been competing. You saw Pat Beverly's defense yesterday on Booker. 
Muchas. Muchas, brother. I don't even know Spanish like that. Muchas. All right. Whatever that means in Spanish. Brother did a phenomenal job putting Devin Booker in check. This brother went 5 for 16 yesterday. Devin Booker, who's supposed to be your best player, especially when your leader is out. And that tells me all I need to know. Isaiah, I want to know your thoughts on this because I love working with Zach. Zach is a good co-host to work with. I have fun all the time debating with Zach on topics. But sometimes my co-host could be a little bit hard-headed. I told this brother that Nikola Jokic has a right and should have won MVP, even though he did. I'm glad he won MVP. I wanted to see CP3 get nominated. I thought he should have deserved nomination for what he did. And I know his track record of teams that leave, you know, he leaves teams and they become a lottery team or he brings lottery teams to the playoffs. But man, if this team is something, the Suns, they built their foundation in that bubble. All right. So even though CP3, what he brings to that team, obviously cannot be denied. They still build that foundation in that bubble. They went undefeated in that bubble. Devin Booker was coming into his own. Mikael Bridges had a good year to um, close out that year last year. And Aiton, obviously, actually being healthy, could evolve this year. And you got Cameron Johnson and all those guys, Cameron Payne. So my theory is, I'm glad Jokic won. Zach disagrees with me. He thinks that CP3 should have won MVP. I want to know your thoughts on that real quick before we go back to the actual game. Of course. Um... Well, Jokic had a, a monster season, so we can't deny what kind of season he had. And um, I think we spoke about this before. CP3's impact on any team he's on is is um astronomical. Like it's, it's on levels that we we don't really see on many superstars. You know, we look at the KDs going to Brooklyn, we look at other players, but we don't see them bringing these teams that are so low in their standings into the second place in their in their conference. You know, so I would have loved, like you said, CP3 to be nominated. But I think the right person won the MVP, which was Nikola Jokic. You know, his number, like I said, not, not only his numbers, but his skill set and what he means to that team was beyond, you know, a lot of different measures. Even though I love CP3 and I feel like his impact greatly um, affected the Suns in a positive way where everyone down the roster is playing extremely well and even getting a, a big confidence boost. And like Cameron Payne running the offense, which is beautiful to see. Well, before I even finish my thought, because I think Jokic was the right MVP, I want to give a kudos to Cameron Payne going from someone who debuted in the on the Phoenix Suns team in the bubble, playing those eight straight games and then being on the roster into the next season and playing this level in the uh, in the playoffs. The Bulls two years ago, three years ago, said he wasn't an NBA caliber player. You know, and I kind of like torpedoes his entire career. And the fact that he came, he went um, to, from the G League to overseas, back to the G League and now into the NBA and doing this kind of production, I love to see it, man. I just love to see it. But back to what I was saying, I do think the right guy won the MVP award. Um, with that being said, the Clippers lost the game. As good as the Suns played, as good as um, as good as the defense the Clippers played on Devin Booker, the role players on the Suns played. Um, they stepped up. Cameron Payne with the twenty nine and I believe eight, twenty nine and eight. DeAndre Ayton, when I was said, he's been killing the Clippers. You know their their paint presence is abysmal. They needed a rim protector. I've been saying this for years now. The Clippers needed a rim protector. Zubak is not the rim protector they need. Hopefully, they address that in the offseason or whatever they do. But they needed they needed big. You know, they brought in Boogie, and he's not a paint, he's not a paint protector. He's a scorer. They need they need some kind of defense on the end of paint because they they have the paint the perimeter defense. They need somebody to protect the paint. Um, they, they lost this game. 
I disagree with Zach with Paul George having a good game. He missed five free throws. I didn't say he had a good game. I just <laughs> I just think that <laughs> up until those two missed free throws, which were very predictable, he had the Clippers in a position to steal that game, and he couldn't come through. And that's what I think is going to cost the Clippers in the series. But go ahead. Correct. He also missed five free throws throughout the game. You know, this is your star player. This is the guy you're paying the big bucks. Yeah. You can't be missing free throws in this kind of tight-knit game. Before that, he was shooting one for eight from the three. He made his first three-pointer in the fourth quarter. So, you know, that's... But, that's don't, but throughout the fourth quarter, bro, don't you think he was making, like, timely shot after timely shot to at least keep the Clippers he in was, the game? But you, he got to finish his job, brother. You can't, you can't have a guy working on your house and halfway when the house is built. No, oh, you're right. Done. I, think, <laughs> you know? I, I, I think the main point that I'm trying to make here, guys, is, like, I kind of feel bad for Paul George because I think before, the, like, he didn't play great, but, like, he at least had his team in a position to steal the game. And I at least had myself thinking uh, to myself at least a couple points throughout the game last night, like, playoff P? Is, is that you? Like, is this a sighting of playoff P? Obviously, we know what happened in the end. But it's just that's why if I'm a Clipper fan, I'm so frustrated because you had a chance to win that game last night. Phoenix was really winning throughout the whole game, right? And then the Clippers sh really shocked them at the end, got on top, and still uh, the Clippers could not close it out. And I think ultimately, like it is so hard to win an NBA title, let alone get to a finals when you're down mm -hmm. two nothing in the first three series of the playoffs like have we ever seen anyone do that without Kawhi Leonard I just think the Suns team is too good I think this series is over yeah and we're quickly here man uh, to, to touch on Paul George look it's the same thing we see with Paul George we all know he's talented but when it when the pressure is up when it comes to Paul George and it's the pressure moments it seems it seems he fades away like for example no, entering, no entering tonight's game Paul George right we all know he went old for two on the free throw line last night but that happened just once this season february 21st against brooklyn with nine minutes up to go in the third quarter all right that that's february why now in a game that matters you can't hit at least one of the free throws you know so it's the same thing with paul george and that's why i don't trust the clippers they need Kawhi at some point but you're because wait, Kawhi wait, is going to be able to take those shots and make those shots when it matters the most but then tell me why you have the series going seven games then I have this series going seven games because I like what I'm seeing from Reggie Jackson. I like the defense that I'm seeing from Pat Beverly. Plus, he's hitting three-pointers as well when he's open, you know? So, I like the team that's constructed um, with, the, with the Clippers. I think they have a great team. They have great depth. So, even if Paul George is struggling, like he did for the most part in this game, you see how they still was able to be in the game and probably should have won that game. I agree with both of you guys. I mean, I think, um, well, I think that Paul George definitely let his team down. Like, he's the big, he's the star player. The role players played, did their role exactly how they planned it. You know, I don't think they expected um, DeAndre and to dunk on Zubak all game. But, uh, well, Paul, um, Patrick Beverly played Devin Booker extremely well. You know, even guiding Rondo, which was kind of strange to see. Guiding Rondo on how to guard Devin Booker and make sure to take away, you know, certain aspects of his game to make sure he doesn't score the basket. You know, scoring five for 16, Devin Booker guarding him that that as, uh, facet when he just scored a 40-point triple-double to game one, that was a great defense. And I think Paul George was supposed to close out that game, and he needed to for his teammates to give him, like, the feel confident in him to be able to lead him just in case if Kawhi isn't 100% cleared for Thursday. They said game one and two, he was out. There's a possibility he comes back for game three, but we don't know what um, Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers, are going to get back. So, you know, it's it's a scary sight for the Clippers right now. Like, they were down 0-2 before in previous playoff series. But the Suns team, as they shown yesterday, their um role players are here to play. They're they're locked in, ready to go. Um and um, 
I don't know if we see the same Devin Booker that goes 5-16 in LA. He might go for another 20-30 points or even another 40-point triple-double game if it's needed. But um, like I said, it's a scary set for the Clippers right now. Yeah, Zach. And another thing to add on to that point of why I think this series is going to go 7 is because you alluded to it. The, the Clippers, he partially alluded to it. The Clippers have good defense, right? And we saw against Luka, Luka was cooking them up for two games and then they was able to double-team Luka. They know how to make the adjustments defensively. And they're still a great defensive team. So that's why even through Paul George's struggles, I still have confidence that they're going to win at least two or, or maybe possibly three games in this series. And that's why I got the Suns in seven. But I want to know y'all guys' reactions to the actual play that won them the game. That pass to DeAndre Ayton. I think the Suns do have to, you know, show gratitude towards the referees because without that challenge, without the reviewing of the play before, that play doesn't happen. You know, my guy over here, the coach, oh my God, Monty Williams. My mind is all over today. Monty Williams, he doesn't draw up that play without that, you know, timeout, that little timeout basically it was. You know, so what are y'all thoughts on that play? And what do y'all like from Aiton this year? I think this brother has literally took tremendous strides in the playoffs this year, and he's playing himself into a max contract in the future. Yeah, uh, Isaiah, one thing uh, Will uh, hinted at it before we, right before we started recording. Uh, my main basketball sport that I watch is college basketball. I love the NBA, watch the playoffs. But I remember watching DeAndre Aiton his freshman year at Arizona and looking at this guy before I even saw him play. Like, this is an NBA body that is in college basketball playing at Arizona right now and he lived up to the hype he was the number one recruit in his draft class but with that being said he was drafted over Luka Doncic he was drafted over Trey Young those are some really good players and the Suns weren't really winning his first couple years in the league and no one was calling him a bust because he was showing promise he was putting up okay numbers but he wasn't really getting that same attention as a guy like Doncic or even like a guy uh, like Trey Young but I think the Suns like the way they built their team around him and Booker and a guard like Chris Paul and just really good role players around those three uh, a very good coach in Monty Williams I think DeAndre Ayton is in a really good position to thrive and that's how stars are born with that, that rare combination of talent and a good culture and a good spot where you're in. As much as we love Luka Doncic, like look at Dallas right now. They just fired their GM. They just got rid of their coach. And it feels like as good of a talent as Luka Doncic is, like this guy just argues with everybody. And then you see DeAndre Ayton, he may not be uh, the star that Luka Doncic is or, you know, be able to lead a team like that, but he is in a perfect situation in Phoenix. And I'm really impressed, man. He's uh, impressed me more and more. And even without Chris Paul, he's really showed me how much his offense his his offensive game and his offensive skill set has evolved like he's always been really athletic and a sick rebounder always been able to block shots but last night uh, it was impressive for me that phoenix was really looking uh, towards him down the stretch for baskets and that shows me a mentally strong player i was really impressed with what i saw besides from the sick dunk to end the game that was incredible I agree with everything you just said about Ian and the fact that he's getting this kind of playoff experience at 22 years of age is tremendous for the team, especially with the the young core that they have in him, Kel um, Bridges, um, you know, Devin Booker, of course. And then, you know, I don't know if they decide to keep Cameron Payne, they let him go. But, you know, having a a core group like that growing in this kind of atmosphere is beautiful to see. You know, it's only going to go up from here. Um, That dunk was beautiful. You know, I saw it like i foresaw that play happening and i was saying it before the play happened throw the alley to Aiton because zubak cannot jump with him they, they don't have a player that could jump with deandre Aiton on that on that clippers team so if you could throw that alley he's gonna get it and he's gonna dunk on somebody 
And the fact that that play happened was so lovely because even the tactician Rondo is and someone that's I, I would say his IQ is so high that it's not it, there's only a handful of players who I would compare Rondo's IQ to. The fact that he didn't know that that was not a goaltending and he thought that they won the game was strange to me. I'm like, I thought someone like Rondo would know that, oh, they can like, go to Alley. Let me ask you guys, as just basketball fans, like we obviously have, have, haven't been playing at that high of a level as the NBA, but like you guys knew that that ball was up for grabs, right? Like I didn't really think, it never came to mind that that was going to be offensive interference, right? Like it, it just, I knew the Suns were one yeah. game at that it's a, it was yeah, a live ball because it was a pass. So it's like once once that ball is up there, it's, just, it's live ball. So you could just do yeah. whatever you want. Like, even thought, like, I didn't even have to think that it was a rule. I just knew like that. That's always in play. How about we give credit to Jay Crowder with for that pass? That was an excellent pass. That he was a second that pass. <laughs> he doesn't go in. <laughs> that was the second pass he made like that that game because yeah. he did it before. So Zubac got dunked on early in the game. Exactly. So it was like. It's just amazing how this team is structured. And I think um, Jay Crowder's like, I think this is like probably comparable to when he played in Boston. Like it kind of like the IQ kind of sense where it's like, he's, he's like his, his idea is like all team oriented. He's, he's, yeah, he's team. a winning player, man. He is a right. winning player. Getting to the finals. If, if Phoenix gets to the finals this year, it's going to be the second year in a row that he's going to be on a team in the finals. He was with uh, Miami last Miami. That's and it's the intangibles. Because mm-hmm. sometimes Jay Crowder could go cold offensively, shooting mm-hmm. the basketball. So everything that he does on the defensive end and, you know, getting rebounds, getting boards and finding guys, that, that helps you when you're not, when the shots are not going in. And I like that. And the Suns are a great team to watch, bro. I love watching the Suns. They're probably my favorite team to watch, literally um, watch their games because they have what I like, which is a mixture of that veteran talent and that young talent because you can't go young you can't go all young because these mm-hmm. guys don't have playoff experience but when you can add a mixture of veterans guys that been on this stage before to help those young guys evolve their game use their talents but show it in big moments oh my gosh and then they got the great coach that is obviously a great mind that can put them in great situations to win games like it showed last night i love what i see from the suns and right now they are my favorites going forward Last thing, I just want to say one last thing. Monty Williams and Chris Paul. Um, I think I believe Monty Williams is Chris Paul's um first head coach in the league. They potentially might be in their uh first finals, which is uh lovely to see. MVP, baby. MVP. <laughs> Here goes Zach again. I told you the brother hard headed sometimes. <laughs> all right, boys. Uh great job by the Phoenix Suns, phenomenal game. I think we could all agree, like that was one of the better playoff games we remember yes. in our recent memory. But real quickly here. I want to get your thoughts, especially Isaiah, because me and Zach, we briefly touched on this topic. Since I brought up Ben Simmons as an analogy, I want to stay with Ben Simmons. What do you think the 76ers should do next year? Do you think it's time to give up on Ben Simmons? Because, I mean, let's face it, bro. The brother was Casper throughout this round, and it was very unfortunate. What do you think the 76ers should do? Uh, I've been uh, I've been saying this for a long time. I, not a long time. Well, basically until we got, uh, they got booted. They got trained Ben Simmons. Um, I I don't like Ben Simmons' uh game, his skill set. I feel like they uh the Philly has a, enough scores that they don't need a elite playmaker for that offense because Joel Embiid has the ball ninety nine percent of the time and he's kind of making uh, motions for the offense so they can move how they move. Um, I think Ben they gotta trade Ben Simmons for another score. Um, I was saying send him to Golden State possibly to try to get Wiggins in a package or something like that or get someone that's a good two way scorer that they they could that can help that offense flourish more. But I don't know if Ben Simmons is the player they need for that franchise to go moving forward. What about quick, Ben Simmons? 
Oh, I want to bring this um, thought up quickly here, Zach. You can answer this first since you was going to talk. Um, what do you think about Ben Simmons on the Warriors? Because think about it like this. They got shooters. So you don't have to worry about shooting. Steph Curry can shoot. Klay yeah. Thompson can shoot. What well, do you think about Ben Simmons on the Warriors? Go ahead. Isaiah said it himself. Like, he, uh, if you're the Sixers, like, you have to trade this guy. You have to trade this guy. If I'm a contender, like the Warriors, what should be with Klay Thompson back next year. Like, I don't know if – I'm trading for this guy because as great as it looks on paper, what's going to happen late in the game when they're, the Warriors are in a closed game and this guy's on the court and he's missing free throws left and right? Like, how is Steph Curry and Cliff Thompson going to feel about that? So I think that for me, the ideal fit for Ben Simmons may be a team like the Thunder or a team like the Rockets who are just t- trying to take like as many draft picks as possible I think that's how bad this contract Damn, is right now. That's what it come down to, huh, Zach? It came down to him being on a tanking team to try to raise his stock. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Somebody talk to me. I mean, right, I like, say I'm not, like, 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 dude, like, no offense to the guy, but, like, if I, seriously, if I'm the Warriors and I'm trying to win a, a, a title, why do I want that guy on my team? Like, like he's not a winner. He can't make a free throw. <laughs> Like, 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 at least, at least, like, well, as you said, like, you mentioned it earlier with Giannis, like, okay, at least he tries to shoot, like, this guy does nothing, like, and he's done nothing since college, like, I've kind of been on the same train as Isaiah, like, I've always looked at him and, like, have looked at his, like, physical skills, and it's like, oh, okay, like, he could dunk, and he's cool, and he's a great passer, and he's a great defender, and I'm not trying to completely roast the guy, like, I still think he could be a productive player in the league, I just think that that contract is so bad that Philadelphia may have to just look themselves in the mirror and say, we screwed up. Because think about this from the Sixers' perspective. The best team of this quote-unquote process era was the one that lost on that heartbreaker to Kawhi, the, the famous shot. That team had Jimmy Butler on it. He's a real shot maker, and we know that that is not Ben Simmons, clearly. The Sixers also decided to hold on to Ben Simmons when they could have gotten James Harden. I know there were reports that came out that the Rockets owner wanted nothing to do with uh, Dow Morey and giving him James Harden. But at the same time, like if they were aggressive enough, I don't think the Nets really gave up that much that Philadelphia didn't have. I would have tried to blow them out of the water. Like, and I think they're just paying for the mistakes. I think at one, I think you could look at it from two ways, right? You could at it from one point and say, okay, it was clear Simmons and Embiid, like it wasn't going to work ever. Like it's kind of good that they lost the way they did, just blow it up. Or you could look at it like, okay, the Nets and the Lakers are out. Phoenix and Milwaukee teams that. To be honest, you're in the same you're in the same uh, level as them. Like the Sixers had the best record in the East this year, they could have easily had a chance to win the finals. So if I'm a fan of that team, I'm just sick to my stomach. I don't I don't think Ben Simmons' uh, stock is that low to the uh, OKC or Rockets. <laughs> um, but um, no, it's just his contract, bro. Who wants to pay that guy forty million dollars a year for the next five years? No one. I think he, he I think I don't think he's gonna be traded, bro, because no one wants him. That's, that's gonna be a, it's gonna be a tough contract to bypass, but I I, I don't know I, I I still feel like a team like the Warriors could Warriors, use them yeah. in some sense. I feel like a, they have so many shooters on that team. Not only like the the main players like Clay and Curry, they got people like Jordan Poole and Pascal who can shoot the three off the bench, exactly. and like they got they got a lot of different pieces. I feel like that um that they don't need him to be like the second or even third scorer because they Correct. got Clay and they got Curry, so they don't and need. It's not like how do you how do you have a guy on your team? that you're paying $40 million to that you can't play in the last five minutes of a big game. Like, I, I can't. That Free throws just, could improve. Free throws is one thing that I think is, can improve. What evidence 
And he just got to work on those. He just got to work on it. Going to improve because I don't see any. <laughs> yeah, I ain't ready to put true. dude in the doghouse yet. This brother is a, a like, all-time defender. Like, I'm all right, like, whatever you say, his free throws are going to improve based on what? This guy, Zach, if Zach was president. He probably would have got deported by now. Get out of here! <laughs> no, I'm asking, bro. I'm, I'm asking you. Like, I just don't have any evidence of that. I'm sorry. I'm just keeping it real. Like, I don't have any evidence. His free throws are going to improve. There's none. We've been saying the guy can't shoot for years, and he still can. What makes me think that's going to change? That's true. It's been five years, going on to six. You know, I guess it, Zach has a lot of great points. You know, I, I'm just like hope. That's that's all you can do is hope. Like, oh, we hope that he could go to Golden State, and we hope that. He could he could change it around or something. That's or, usually hopefully. not how you win, bro. Hope is <laughs> like, like, like 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 and look every look, as great as that is, like the movie and the storybook ending, like you gotta put together the right team that you think is gonna win and like I, I don't know, man. I don't and I think it's beyond shooting, to be honest. Because even like even though that Ben Simmons can't shoot, his lack of aggression to score the basketball is also very puzzling and troubling. Troublesome. And um confidence. that's 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 the biggest thing, you know. And if the coaches have can't instill confidence in his kid then it will probably be like another Markel Fultz, uh, you know, another first-round pick that has to get drafted away because he's um scared to score the ball. Not not just Wait, shoot. Isn't that basically what ball. you're saying, bro? That he's going to be shipped off? Like I, I, like I said, I want I, I personally think the Sixers would do better off by sending him away now because his um stock is still high. He's still a great defender. No, right, but I'm saying if he gets traded, do you think, like, you think he could be, like, Okay, like Markel Fultz hasn't been terrible since he got traded. No, he like, went to Orlando. He started he started shooting the ball yeah, more. I feel like I yeah. feel like he started playing better. I feel like Ben Simmons needs to get traded so he has a reality check and say, okay, I'm I'm not I'm an, I'm, I am an expendable piece. So I need to step my game up so I can get feel in more. Contact, get in contact with Fultz, your buddy. You know what I'm saying? Like how he, how did he get it going in Orlando? You know, because yeah, remember he wasn't confident. So Correct. go hit up hit up your brother, bro, and see what what he did. You know, it's always good to learn. And see what other guys did. So, because I think the confidence is the main thing here. It's obvious it's the confidence. If brother pass a wide open dunks, it's the confidence that's basically bringing him down. And with all the media conglomerate, you know, trashing him, I really think he needs to. I don't know if he does, but don't listen to the media because it ain't going to help you at all. The media is never going to uplift you when you're down, it's always going to kick you down. So, you need to make sure you don't listen to it. Get back in the gym and work on your um, motion. Whether it's your shooting motion, whatever it is, you gotta work on. You gotta work on it. Absolutely. Before he, before he before he dismisses the media, he needs to reach out to the lethal shooter and uh, configure a jump shot because th- that whatever he's doing right now is not it. He could shoot an open gym, but when it comes to the crowd, I don't know. I don't know. He just disappears. It's not. not, not I guess I can see. You are listening to In Huddle Sports Radio on Can You Dig Sports. You are listening to In Huddle Sports Radio on Can You Dig Sports, and we will be moving on as before. The Phoenix Suns and LA Clippers game last night. It was the NBA lottery and the Detroit Pistons. They win the number one pick. Ben Wallace coming through. The Rockets have the number two pick. And Isaiah, I'll throw it over to you. What was your main takeaway from the lottery? Oh, Kate Cunningham going to Detroit. I mean, that's that's going to be an interesting sight to see. Um, it's interesting for me because Jeremiah Grant went to Detroit um, with the belief that he's the number one guy. He wants to be the guy, the go-to guy. And he wants to be the guy taking over the team. With Cade Cunningham going to Detroit, I would like to see if he's sharing some of his touches with Cade Cunningham and trying to get him to come alongside him to be like a Batman-Robin kind of duo or a Batman-Superman duo, whatever, however you want to kind of, um, you know, phrase it, whatever. I feel like Cade Cunningham, if he's going into a situation where he's on a team that's already, like, not so good, but he's also not getting the proper touches and scoring the ball the way he needs to to develop, it's going to be very rocky for him to be in Detroit with Jeremiah, Jeremiah Grant. Um, 
And then with the Rockets' second pick, I know that they have um, Evan, I believe. Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley yeah. as, the, as the pick to go to. It's either I him actually, or uh, Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga. That's the other possibility. Correct. I actually want Jalen Suggs to go to Houston because I feel like him and Kevin Porter Jr. will have a great um, tandem in the backcourt with uh, Christian Wood in the frontcourt. I feel like that's going to be a great, a great sight to see, um, in my opinion. But um, it's interesting, too, because we were just talking about the Warriors, and they have the seventh pick in the draft. That's, and that's you, know what else? <laughs> you know who else has this? Who was the seventh pick when they drafted him? Steph Curry. So it's interesting that they have the seventh pick and they could possibly get a gem in this draft to um, go alongside with their already kind of core with Wiseman, Clay, Curry, and a bevy of their um, bench, like Jordan Poole and Eric Pasco, as mentioned before. It's interesting to see how they may um, go about this draft. I have one name in mind, and I know I'm going a little bit overboard, but there's one name that stuck out to me. Moses Moody from Arkansas. Oh, I'm a big fan. Six six seven one wingsman. Um, he shot the ball thirty six percent. Not amazing, but I feel like it's good enough for this Warriors team to be respectable and also a great defender on the perimeter. I feel like this that's a pick they should go for. Some people were saying Jalen Johnson from Duke, which is you know a, a kind of a, a wild card kind of uh, pick for the Warriors. But I think Moses Moody is a good pick for um the Warriors. I want to well, add on to that. Um, that's exactly where I was gonna go. Is the Warriors? I think the power structure is starting to slowly shift back to the Warriors. Everybody thought the Warriors dynasty was over, but they just like the Terminator. You shoot them down, they're gonna come right back up and form again. And I think that's exactly what we've seen by them having the number seven and number fourteen pick. Me personally, now you have the assets to go in many different ways. Last year, me personally, I know this might be a hot take. But I actually thought they should have drafted the LaMelo ball and paid him up with Steph Curry and have Dre play the five. That's what I would have did, you know, because that backcourt would have been crazy. Steph Curry and LaMelo. That's just me, I think, uniquely. But in this situation here, this year, you can do two things. You can get a good player. You can get find the, the hidden gems out of this draft class. There's a lot of talent compared to other years where it's just the top three players once they out. But also, you can do this. Why not trade? James Wiseman and those two picks and maybe get another star over there. You know, you could do that as well. So the Warriors are in a good spot where they can retool. They still got Steph Curry. They still got Klay Thompson. I like Wiggins still. I still think he can play. And you also got Oubre and everything. So the Warriors, to be honest with you, watch out. Watch out, especially if they get this right. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'll hit on both of those. I agree with Isaiah 100%. I think the Pistons are actually in a really good spot. Um, I think Cade Cunningham, like, this is going to sound crazy, but he's, like, a more athletic, taller version of Jason Kidd. Like, they have that same core vision, and he's 6'7", athletic. He has stupid burst, and, like, he just has that passing gift. I think he's going to be a really good player in the league. And when it comes to Jeremy Grant, like, the thing about him is, right, we've been – or I've been watching him since his days at Syracuse. He, I believe, stayed at two years. And, like, his first couple years in the NBA, like, he was nothing. Like, he was fine. Like, just a role player at best. And then we watch him in the bubble last year with the Nuggets, and it's like, wow, like, this guy's a really good player. Like, he was their really clear third option behind um, Porter and Murray in the bubble last year. I was really impressed with him. And he got himself a big money contract in Detroit. They also drafted a kid, Sadiq Bey from Villanova, who's yeah. a really good three, modern day three and D guy. They have a young guard in Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes. Yeah. I think the Pistons are in a good spot going forward. I think they're uh, very slowly acquiring a nice young group of talent. 
And when it comes to the Warriors, I'll confirm on Moses Moody, man. That kid is a player. This is a kid that was ranked like 40 to 50 in his high school class coming out of high school. And that's only a year ago. And this guy, um, he was not considered by many before the season started uh, a guy that was going to be a top 10 NBA pick. Like, uh, I've been following Arkansas very closely in the SEC. Coach Eric Musselman, he's coached before he's coached NBA guys. And they just had so many different bodies on that Arkansas team. Musselman's a guy that is known for bringing in transfers. And Moses Moody stepped up as their clear best player. And he brought them a team that, yeah, they were a three seed, but that was a team that not a lot of people expected to be in the Elite Eight. And they played Baylor very close down the stretch, the same Bears team that ended up winning the national championship. So I think Moses Moody would be a great pick for the Warriors. You're a very typical athletic uh, three and D guy that I think could really work uh, in the NBA. I'm not a fan of Jalen Johnson, just some red flags about him quitting at Duke. Not a big fan of his, but um, look, man, this draft is good. I think there's some young guys in this draft and uh, you guys know I could talk uh, draft prospects <laughs> all day. So looking forward to it. Don't forget about Isaiah Stewart on the Pistons as well. You know, he's a guy that can get you a whole lot of rebounds and get, get you some baskets as well. So they have a, a young team over there. And think about this, y'all. Basically, anybody can make the playoffs now in the East. There's only two teams that basically ain't going to make the playing games. So when you take that in consideration and you drive the guy like Cade Cunningham, the Pistons could very well compete for at least a playing game next year with that young squad and young talent that they have. Quick question, Zach. Well, well, just curious, who, who are those two teams, the Magic and, and who else? Probably the Magic, you could argue. I say the Magic, possibly Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, even Cleveland, bro. Colin Sexton, Jared Allen. I think they could be going somewhere. They're not terrible. Yeah, they're not terrible. I had a quick question, Zach. Before we um had out of there, I wanted to ask you one quick question. Who do you feel like is a gem in this upcoming draft pool? You know, Mm. like someone that's in the middle of the pack, kind of got like 15, 16 kind of draft pick. Who do you think could be in those along those lines? Okay, so I don't know if this guy would be considered, like, a true gem. He's projected to go, like, anywhere between 7 to 10 right now. But you watched Baylor and their national championship run last year. I was the leader of that bad wagon. I was saying all season that Baylor was the best team in college basketball. And it had nothing to do with Gonzaga's easy schedule. Like, that's what most people pointed to. But Baylor, when you watch them play, like, they were just such a physically imposing and tough team. And they had guards that not only were not afraid to make plays, but they had guards that literally took pride in shutting the other team's best player down. And that's why, to answer your question, I would go with Davion Mitchell from Baylor. This guy was really the main reason why they won the national championship. He, If you watch Baylor, you look at their record, they were 23-2, and two, and they were a great team that won the national championship. But this guy was the most important piece. And he only averaged like 13 points a game, nothing special. But he is gifted on the defensive side of the ball. He is willing to shut down the other team's best player. And I think that a guy like that, a guy that has stayed multiple years in college, I think that's a big key. I am usually a big fan of guys that stay multiple years in college, unless you're a Zion, unless you're that clear, obvious prospect that I think is going to be a big star. Because within getting that multiple years of experience, right, it shows that you're unselfish. It shows that you're willing to take really any role in the NBA. And we've seen plenty of guys, like I hate to throw them under the bus, but like an Andrew Wiggins, a Jabari Parker, uh, you know, just guys like that that have been one and done. It's like James Wiseman, Will just said, if he was the Warriors, like he considered trading him. Um, but there are guys like that that just either didn't play in college or just went to college for one year and were not ready to leave that haven't worked in the NBA. And if I'm a team that is looking for a hidden gem in the draft, 
those are usually the guys I'm going to target, multi-year guys, unless it's just a clear, obvious talent that I like. Okay. Yes, sir. Thank you Absolutely. so much, man. Glad to be here, man. I wanted to say, like, always good talking basketball. Like, I know uh, the NBA, the playoffs go, but, like, you both you guys, man, like, you know your stuff. Like, you know, like, the ins and outs of the league. And, like, once again, it just feels great talking NBA draft prospects on this show. I can do it for days. Not really guys like that who just, you know, love and appreciate the sport like you guys. So, always good. Always, always fun. Now you're pumped. You got to get ready for the big payback.